Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the so place they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play it against And make his ass play That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide, guys. This is Dave. Uh, Again, I'm riding solo. And uh, like I said uh, in the last episode, we're going to spin through a couple of shows tonight and release these over a, uh, over a couple of days. So you're stuck with me through these. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll still s- stick around and uh, give us some good questions and uh, feedback and such. But in, uh, in this second sort of second in this uh, mini blast of episodes, I want to spend some time talking about. And then again, we're kind of looking back because we haven't done a show in a while. And, um, you know, I, we like to share our opinions. You guys like to hear our opinions. And so uh, I thought, well, you know, even even though this is a little bit dated, um, there's still some relevance. And um, you guys probably have some thoughts and opinions and, and want to hear ours. So we're going to spend uh, just a little bit of time. This will be a lot shorter than the last one. But I um, want to spend some time talking about uh, coaching changes. This staff... Uh, this football staff really turned over this offseason and uh, just the number of high profile names that are in and out of the um, of the coaching staff is is pretty darn incredible. And then the NCAA added a new coaching position and uh, we're using that uh, at Alabama. Uh, uh, Saban specifically is assigning that to quarterback, which I think is is a really smart, you know, you think about the NFL model, quarterback coaches is, is pretty much the norm. And we have been using uh, almost by default, the offensive coordinator as the quarterback coach. And so I think we can, when you can let those be two different people, um, then they have a, they can focus deeper. Um, Cause that's, that's not really a, you know, a lumped group. If you want to say someone's going to coach defensive tackles and defensive ends. And so you have a defensive line coach that makes a lot of sense. If you want to have a linebacker coach, that's going to coach in and out. Okay. That makes sense. But the disparity between quarterback and offensive coordinator, I, I think is significant enough. You wouldn't have, well, you know, I guess defensive coordinators coach individual positions, but the quarterback position, I don't know. They're all quarters. They're all different. They're strange uh, relative to uh, other players. And so I think that's a great ad uh, for us to do that. I don't know why I went down that path, but I did. At any rate, <clears throat> let's step through the the coaching changes. There was a really, really good article on this. And uh, I posted on the Facebook, uh, you know, back in February. And so go look for that. It was a darn good article where it broke down all of the coaches and, and offered uh, some stuff on there. Um, I think my mental uh, approach to this is pretty close to what's in the article. Um, but, uh, you know, at any rate, I'll run, I'll run through here. Uh, so I'm going to start on offense and uh, the offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, you know, when I first heard that he was, was leaving, I was really disappointed because I thought we only had just scratched the surface of what he could do as an offensive coordinator. And I still believe that I still really believe that. Uh, but he's going to go to the Bills and probably has some some great success there. Um, you know, if we had just lost one, you know, the, it was the staff overhaul that sort of balances it out 
you know, overall. And, and I'm okay losing, you know, with Brian moving on. Uh, I really liked him. I thought he brought a lot. Um, but, and, and I think he may be missed, but like I said, I think, I think the net is a, is a significant gain. Uh, what we did with uh, Dable leaving is we moved uh, Mike Loxley over from the wide receiver uh, coach. Now, Mike Loxley is not your normal wide receivers coach. He was at one time uh, the head coach at Maryland. He was the offensive coordinator at Maryland. Uh, he is a uh, you know significant experience uh, in in college football. He's more of a college football lifer as opposed to Dable is is has been more of a uh, more of a pro lifer lifer. And so you kind of expected that he would get back to that. And so Loxley isn't just your Joe wide receiver coach moving over uh, to OC. He's been around the the world of college football, and uh, he, he I think. Um, now, if you had asked me the question, was he the best offensive coordinator we could have hired? I think there's a couple ways to answer that question. Uh, one way is no, he he was not the best option. I kind of liked um, in terms if you're just picking out names. Uh, I kind of liked uh, Chip Long, uh, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator. I think he probably got a long look at the position. Uh, you know, there was some talk about Hugh Freeze. I don't know that he would have been brought in as offensive coordinator, more probably an analyst, but certainly that's, that would have been an intriguing hire. Uh, I think Loxley, uh, I think he was a good hire for stability within the program. I think Saban knew that he was going to do some overhaul, that there was going to be uh, some overhaul and he needed, he needed pillars of stability. And at the two coordinator positions, even though they're new names, in the position, they're familiar faces. And so moving Loxley into OC, um, I think was for stability. And then Loxley uh, is a really good recruiter. The players uh, really like him. And so I think there's some stability and some recruiting in keeping him around. And I think it was the right decision. I think it was a good decision. I think it was the right decision. Had the rest of the staff, had, had, had there not been the turnover across the rest of the staff, I don't know that we would have gone Loxley I and mean, I'm just being candid and that's just my opinion. I think we probably would have gone chip long. Uh, but, um, you know, that's just my two cents. I'm pleased with Loxley. I think, I think we're going to do very well with him. The quarterbacks coach again, you know, historically that's been the OC. And so that was Brian Dable <clears throat> again, you know, we brought in Dan Enos, uh, who's a former Arkansas, uh, offensive coordinator to, to feel that position. And one of the things that I like that Saban does is he almost has, and you think back, you know, when we had Sark and we had uh, Kiffin and 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 we've had, you know, a number of other coaches over the years, uh, including Loxley himself, uh, who who came in as as an analyst, uh, and we and we've had others do something, do things similar to that, <clears throat> where we've almost always had two experienced offensive coordinators on the staff or around the staff. It could be in an, in an analyst position. And I think I think it's always sort of a smart, clever move. When we brought in Sark as, as an analyst, um, I thought that was genius in, in the moment. And and I and I still think it was. It didn't pan out as well as as we all would have liked, but um, you know, but 
I thought it was a clever move to, to bring him in in that time. And I think here, you know, when we brought in Loxley as, as an analyst and he sort of promoted to a, an on-field position and, and he was a second offensive coordinator, I like the stability that that gives you within the program. I like the options that gives you within a program. And so I like bringing in Dan Enos, uh, who's a former, um, like I said, Arkansas offensive coordinator. I like the fact that almost like we have a offensive coordinator in waiting or we have a backup plan at the offensive coordinator uh, where are we to need it and so Loxley was an example of needing it this year um, to, to maintain the stability so I kind of like that as a as a tactic and again he's in the quarterback coach position which is a new a new 10th coach uh, on the field coach for uh, 2018 again I like his experiences in OC and then I just like him as a new tool, a new weapon. <clears throat> I think the quarterback room will benefit by that. Uh, wide receivers, you know, Loxley's still on the staff, but he's moved on from wide, wide receiver coach. I like the I like uh, Josh Gaddis, Gaddis, uh, Josh Gaddis, who we brought in from Penn State, uh, also with Vanderbilt. So he's been with James Franklin uh, a little bit. You know, one of the things I really uh, in in sort of looking at him and. Uh, uh, his his success is he took Jordan Matthews, who was a two-star receiver, a two-star uh, recruit out of high school, and he ended up having three of the top receiving seasons in the history of Vanderbilt's program. That's pretty darn impressive. He was drafted uh, well into the NFL and uh, uh, really stood out for a couple of years. I think he's battled through some injuries uh, of, uh, of lately, but that really speaks to Josh being a player developer. You can take a a two-star and develop him into an all-conference type player in the SEC. That's pretty darn impressive. So I like uh, I like him coming in with the youth at receiver that that we have, giving them a, a, a sort of a new voice, uh, a level of energy, uh, helping develop develop and refine their talent. And he also he is highly regarded as a recruiter, and we're going to see that as a theme in this young coaching staff. Uh, but uh, Josh Gaddis at wide receiver coach. Watch out for him. I think uh, I think he's going to do really good things uh, at that position. Uh, running backs coach. Uh, this is probably the, you know, maybe one of the bigger losses. Uh, Burton Burns is stepping down and he's taking more of an administrative row, uh, role. And uh, Joe, um, put, <laughs> man, I get I get ribbed for my pronunciation sometimes, but Joe uh, Pronunzio is taking over and he was a former tight ends coach. And he's been around. I think he's done. He's coached some special teams. He's coached tight ends. He's been around uh, for quite a while. And so he's flipping over to uh, coach the running backs. Um, you know, I have nothing against Joe. He's not a step up at the position like I think some of the other hires are. Uh, but you could almost not hire anyone that would be a step up uh, from Burton Burns. Uh, it, I think he was a 30 year, you know, coach. Uh, at the position, uh, been you know been around the block, been with Saban for a long time. Very uh, high standard of excellence from uh, from Burton, uh, and just a high caliber individual and a high caliber coach. And so, um, not that I think differently uh, about Joe, but you know those are two different cats. And uh, Burton Burton certainly I think will be missed, <clears throat> but. He's still going to be around, and I'm going to touch on that for a minute. But you know, when we talk about Joe, uh, I think he uh, bring he helps anchor some stability within the offense because it's a 
you know, a familiar face that's that's around. And he's got some recruiting chops too. Um, I can't list some of the players that he's uh, sort of been attributed, but uh, it, it, it's an impressive list. And so he he has some recruiting chops there as well. And Burton Burns, he's got a new role, so he's not really he's not going anywhere. He's just not going to be an on the field coach. He is taking a new role within the football offices and. He's still going to be around. He's still going to be around in staff meetings. He's still going to be uh, the opportunity to be around in practices. He can coach up Joe uh, a little bit, which, you know, which might be good. Um, but i tell you one of the things I really like about what Burton Burns is doing is he is taking up things within the athletic office that will free up Coach Saban. It will take demands for Coach Saban's time away from, you know, a lot of player touch points, academics, development, nutrition. Not that Saban's going to be standoffish with the players, but a lot of those touch points, a lot of those uh, tasks and topics uh, that maybe Saban had a hand in, he's got a trusted person in Burton Burns to take those over. And I think that's energizing. That can be energizing for uh, Coach Saban. And again, that's sort of a theme in this coaching staff, youth, energizing, and recruiting. Uh, and those are sort of hand and glove type things. I think um, I think we see that in some of the the shifts with the younger coaches on both sides of the ball, with Burton Burns taking a role off the field uh, to take over some of these these items, and um, and and actually Joe Pendry, if you remember that name, he was the offensive line coach under Saban, uh, one of Saban's first hires. And Pendry's been around uh, the football offices <clears throat> doing uh, a myriad of things. And he is stepping down, retiring officially sort of out of the building. And I think Burton's going to take over some of those responsibilities and uh, and some of the other stuff that Saban maybe has had a hand in. So I think that's going to be beneficial sort of across the board. Uh, flip the field to defense. Jeremy Pruitt is out. He's now the head coach at Tennessee. And um, I tell you, I, I knew that Jeremy would have an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. I thought he was a year away. Um, and that's really how I viewed it. The, you know, Kirby Smart, it looked like any time he could go. And I thought, you know, Pruitt's on that cycle, <clears throat> but he's a year away. And the reality is, um, you know, Tennessee snagged him. Uh, but, you know, he was uh, at Alabama. He went to Florida State, was there, had tremendous success, went to Georgia, was there, had tremendous success, then back at Alabama and again had, you know, tremendous success. So being able to do that across multiple programs. Now, he ruffled some feathers around the way, uh, along the way. But, um, you know, that's going to happen. And uh, and he's parlayed that into <clears throat> head coaching job at Tennessee. I, I As much as I enjoyed the debacle that was the Tennessee, um, you know, head coaching search when they tabbed Pruitt, I thought, Oh, that, I don't like that. They, they may have just got it right after getting it so wrong, I think. And, and look, I, I wish we had recorded this back in the spring because I've only seen it one. I've only seen this written or speculated in one place and it was just in the last week. So I wish I could have been about, you know, four months ahead on this, but I think if Pruitt Pruitt, goes in and does a, or does an admirable job at turning around Tennessee that he might be the coach to replace Saban. And um, I told my wife, you know, about two months ago, I said, honey, you've heard it here first. I think he has a chance to replace Saban. And so there you go. But anyways, he's out. So we won't talk about him any more than we just did. 
uh, and we've brought in uh, Tosh uh, Lopui. And so Tosh has been around. And so again, you get that stability factor. He's, uh, you know, a new, he's a familiar face with a new job title and a new position. <clears throat> and, you know, speculation or, or sort of commentary is that he's one of the best recruiters in college football. So I, this is another one, not unlike Loxie, Loxley, where I thought Saban might have felt a little bit of pressure to make the move, uh, make sort of the, the the next progressive move, you know, move Loxley into OC and move Tosh over, you know, into defensive coordinator. And that had he not done that, had he brought in external OC and DC, not only would there have been, you know, some difference in stability, but you may have lost those coaches. They may, they may have left. They may have said, I don't have an opportunity. Uh, here. And for as much as coach says, you know, everyone has an opportunity. If he had demonstrated to these coaches that, that maybe they really didn't, um, then you might not keep them both. You might keep one. I don't know that you keep both. And so to move them both into uh, the coordinator positions, and that's not to say they can't handle it. It only is to say that I don't know that they would have been the first choice if everything else were equal. If you knew that they would stay, I don't know that they would have been hired into that position. I'm just, that's just my opinion. Doesn't mean they're not going to do well. That's just my two cents on, on the situation. So I think, I think Tosh, he's, you know, and I've read a number of articles about him having to learn the secondary and learn. And so he's done very well at coaching linebackers. It's sort of the focus on that outside linebackers, defensive ends. He's that's sort of where he's made his, his reputation and certainly reputation and recruiting as well. To think holistically uh, on the defense, that that's going to be brand new to him. It's the first time he's ever done that, and so we'll have a little bit of a learning curve there. But you know, we've got Saban will help out, and, and we'll get to the next guy that I think is going to help out there as well. Uh, I look for good things from Tosh, um, but you know, again, um, he's he. This is I think this is a big step for him. I'll say that. But he's one of the best recruiters I think in college football. A lot of energy, a lot of excitement, and uh, I think he can grow into the position, and I really do feel that. Uh, linebackers, you know, Jeremy Pruitt was the the defensive coordinator, but he coached uh, linebackers as well. And so we brought in Pete Golding from uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. He was their defensive coordinator, and he was hired even before last season ended. And he was hired, in, and it was in a sort of a nondescript position. He's going to be on the staff. We don't know what, what his title is going to be. And, and to me, this is sort of the yin and yang of of the Tosh um, <clears throat> decision. I think, you know, we knew that Jeremy Pruitt was out, so we knew that there was an opening. And we knew that there was an opening at the defensive coordinator position. And so I think, I think Pete Golden was brought in to either be the defensive coordinator or to support the defensive coordinator. Um, and so that's going to be interesting how that plays out over the next couple of years. But I think Pete Golden is a sensational uh, hire. Uh, I think that's 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 an example of Saban doing his homework and in, in the uh, in the hiring process. And so I think sort of the the combination of Tosh and Pete and uh, and Saban, they're going to make sure the defense is right, and they're going to make sure that Tosh is uh, is coached up into the position. And again, there's a fallback, much like. Uh, Dan Enos is almost a second offensive coordinator. You know, Pete Golden is almost, you know, a second defensive coordinator. And again, his reputation, he brings youth, 
uh, outstanding reputation as a teacher uh, as well as a recruiter. So I think that's a fantastic hire. Uh, defensive line, Carl Dunbar has moved on. Uh, he went <clears throat> he went to the Steelers, and we were able to bring in Craig uh, Kuligowski, uh, Coach Cool, as the players call him. I, I think this is one of the best hires uh, up and down the list. I think this is one of the best hires. You know, uh, Coach Cool was the defensive line coach at Missouri when they first entered the program. And uh, I think the first two years they were uh, when they first entered the conference. I think their first couple of years they had some runs at the um, uh, SEC championship game. And they they were sort of built on their defense and especially their defensive front. They had a number of guys that performed well and were drafted well. Uh, Coach Cool was the defensive line coach. And when Mark Rick left Georgia or was asked to leave Georgia, whatever that story was, when he started at Miami, the very first coach that he hired on his staff was Coach uh, Kuligowski. And in fact, uh, he hired him. <clears throat> he ordered, uh, He hired Coach Cool before he hired his defensive coordinator. And he was asked about that. And, and Rick said, I don't know if you don't want Coach Cool on coaching your line, then I don't know if I want you to be my defensive coordinator. And it's sort of the mentality that he had. He had that high of a level of respect uh, for Kuligowski. And so the fact that we were able to lure him in is phenomenal. Uh, he is one of the best talent evaluators uh, and teachers in college football, especially along the defensive front. And there's been a number of, uh, of articles over the last couple of weeks where they've talked about the attention that he gives to all of the players, not just the stars, but to the walk-ons as well. And that really speaks to <clears throat> his love and passion for teaching that he's not just going to spend the time with the starters and maybe the second team, but he's spending time with the walk-ons that may not play, may not see any time and but but he's going to he's going to invest the energy and the effort because, you know, he wants everyone to get it right. He wants everyone to improve. And so that's just the heart of a teacher there. And uh, I think that's that's going to be fun to to see the defensive front develop. And we'll talk about defense uh, for the season. But uh, excited about Coach Cole being on the staff uh, defensive backs. Uh, Derek Ansley left for the Raiders and we bring in Carl Scott from Texas Tech. I think that's probably a push. Um, I like uh, I like Ansley, but uh, I read good things and hear good things about Carl Scott. Uh, you know, a young, uh, bright, energetic coach. Again, that's core sort of a theme, and um, and uh, I think he's going to be an asset in recruiting. So that'll certainly be, be good to see. And then the last coach that uh, we'll talk about here is special teams and tight ends. Uh, Joe uh, Pananunzio uh, has moved over from that position. So again, familiar face and a new. Uh, job title. He's moved over to the running back coach, and we've brought in uh, Jeff Banks from Texas A&M. Now, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you a story. I have a, a good buddy of mine, and I've probably mentioned him in some form or fashion, but I have a good buddy of mine that I worked with years ago that is a Texas A&M graduate, and he's, you know, he's gigum and all that stuff. And he is, he knows people that are connected in the program. I don't think that he necessarily is, but he knows people. He's close to people that are. And he emailed me uh, about three days before Jeff Banks was hired. And he said, I am hearing from my sources that you guys are about to hire Jeff Banks. And let me tell you what you're going to get when you get this guy. And um, 
And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. And then he went on to say, you know, just really good things about him. Uh, now he had some issues there at Texas A&M and I won't get into all that. That's probably, you could probably look it up, but, uh, you know, he had, uh, an incredible reputation at Texas A&M as a recruiter, uh, elite recruiter, uh, is some of the, the terminology used and that he was especially good at coaching special teams. And I tell you, if Alabama needs, um, some help somewhere. I think it's coaching special teams. Uh, and I think we'll do some good things at the tie, with the tight ends as well. But uh, I think having someone that can help us in the special teams, um, I think we're going to get a lot of value out of that. So I'm excited uh, about Jeff Banks based on some of the things that I've heard and uh, look forward to seeing some improvement on the special teams. So that's what we got here in terms of um, oh, you know what? I did write down one more thing I wanted to spend time with. I got so excited, and I, was, and I am still excited. When I think about these, the new coaches, you know, Loxley, Eno, Scattis, Tosh, Golding, uh, Carl Scott, Kugelowski, and Jeff Banks, I started, and this is a little bit hyperbole, I get it, uh, but I, I said, you know, this kind of reminds me, and I went back and looked at, at um, the staff that Coach Saban had at LSU when they won the national title. So 2000, what year is that? 2003. I can't read my own writing. And he had on that, that staff, uh, Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher, Will Muschamp, Derek Dooley, Lance Thompson, Stacey Searles, um, all that are still coaching today. And you could individually pick some of those guys, guys out and say, eh, I'm not sure I like them all, but they all still get paid to coach college football, which is a pretty darn good deal. Uh, that's an impressive staff. And when I think about, you know, and like I said, we don't know how these people are going to turn out. We didn't know how those guys were going to turn out. Uh, but I, I, I'm excited about, you know, that staff at LSU in 2003 was was young, energetic, hard workers, go getters and uh, and that and, and recruiters and all of the things, teachers, all of the things that I hear about you know, the youth really that's been sort of injected into this coaching staff. And then that made me think of, um, you know, talk about coaching staffs with some legs on them. Um, and again, I can't read my writing. It's either the 94 or 95 uh, Browns. And so this is NFL. But get this, man. Uh, Bill Belichick, uh, Coach Saban, the late Pat Hill, Kurt Ferentz, Eric Mangini, and then off the field, you had uh, in varying capacities, uh, Ozzy Newsom, Scott Pioli, Thomas Dimitrioff, and Mike Tannenbaum. And you think, uh, and then Jim Swartz in there for good measure. Uh, he was he was an on the field coach. And you think, damn, that's a pretty impressive group uh, of folks. So it's a little hyperbole to say that you know this year, 2018 Alabama football coaching staff is going to rival either of those groups. But um, I wouldn't rule it out either. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, some of the guys on the staff. So I thought that was a fun thing to kind of share. Um, again, hit us up, you know, this is a topic that, uh, I wish we had gotten to cover in, in sort of more real time, but it's uh, a fun topic to, to step through. And, uh, it's going to be exciting as we think about the 2018 season, it's going to be exciting to see, uh, how the staff comes together and how some of these folks as individuals, you know, perform. We're going to watch that, enjoy watching that as much as we enjoy uh, watching some of the players. If you have any questions or comments or you want to poke at this a little bit or just, you know, uh, uh, you know, ask us, ask us about anything, um, you know, reach out. We're on email at Alabama football podcast at gmail.com. 
or on Facebook at Alabama Football Podcast. Uh, you know, leave us uh, leave us an email, drop us uh, something on Facebook, like give us a like, and uh, if you would go to iTunes, this is really important, right? Because it helps our ratings, helps our rankings. Uh, go leave us a review, give us a, you know maybe a five star, I don't know, give us an authentic review, and uh, leave us a comment. And if you have a question in the comment, you know, give us a comment there, and uh, we'll be happy to to respond to those as well. In the meantime, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, and roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.